welcome to The Marvelous Gospel, a podcast where we examine our favorite movies through a biblical, theological, and redemptive perspective. I'm Frank Gill, and I'm here with the guy I would never leave on a hotel rooftop on New Year's Eve, Tommy Hutchinson. What's up, man? I uh, I feel so honored that you would never leave me like Tony I leaves would, Killian. I would never leave you and cause you to have the origin story of your villain villain ways. So I would never do that to you. <laughs> How are you doing, man? I'm good. That's probably a conversation for another day. What would be your villain origin story? Like if you <laughs> yeah. had that one, I'm sure you could have some fun with that. I'm sure. I was watching. I was just watching. Um, I just finished season four of Cobra Kai. Yeah. And have you seen? Have you watched it? I have. Okay, so you've seen the last season. Yep. So they introduced that spoilers. new character. Yeah, yeah. Spoilers, spoilers. They introduced <laughs> that new kid who's a middle schooler, and yeah. like literally that whole episode was to set up his his origin story of how he became a villain. Like he was bullied and teased. For just, oh, totally. Like a, he was like a sweet, innocent kid, and he was turned into this villain. And I'm like, oh man, that, that I can see how that could be an origin story. We just talk about that one day. I don't know what my origin story is right now, but. Uh, but uh, that'd be a funny conversation. But we do know it has nothing to do with you leaving me on a, a, ho- a hotel rooftop, rooftop on New Year's yeah. Eve. <laughs> no, absolutely but. not. But hey, um, we have a, a fun movie to talk about today. Um, Iron Man 3, released in 2013. Yes. Want me to give you some of the, uh, the details of this movie? Hit me. Yeah, so it's directed by Shane Black and starring Robert Downey Jr., Gwyneth Paltrow, Don Cheadle, John Favreau, Guy Pierce and Ben Kingsley. And so here's a quick synopsis. I wrote this. Let's see how it comes out. Tony Stark's world is falling apart, dealing with anxiety and insomnia because of the attack on New York. His relationship with Pepper is falling apart. Out, out in the world, a new terrorist threat, the Mandalor- the Mandalorian. The Mandarin <laughs> is, is causing death and destruction all around him. Tony has to rely on not on not on his suits but his instincts and intellect to save the people he loves and to save the world from this new threat. How, how'd I do? What'd you think? Other than the Mandalorian, I thought it was good. I think yeah, I, I, this, <laughs> this was a movie where um, the only thing I can compare it to was Shang-Chi where the first two thirds of the movie were just incredible. And then it took a turn. I'm not going to say Shang-Chi went bad. Sure. It just went different. Um, where Iron Man, when we'll, we'll talk about it in a second, but when it took a turn, the movie, I think, started to nosedive, but the first two thirds of it were so good and well done. It's but, funny because yeah, no, I was, I was, I was actually thinking like um, Iron Man two, the uh, the third act, the big like fight scene was kind of anticlimactic, like right, like like the guy, uh, whatever Whiplash or whatever his name is, just like died pretty quickly once like Tony fought him. But like in this one, it had like a pretty like. It was kind of weird. It was like you know, it's kind of like a big CGI fest with all the, uh, with all the the, the the suits fighting the. I don't know how to describe them. I do feel <laughs> like the, like there's these movies like like this one and the next one, Thor: The Dark World, where the MacGuffin, like the thing that's happening to the people, is so ambiguous that like I don't even know what's really happening. <laughs> like like. Like I guess they're on they're like they're kind of like super soldiers, but like it's more of like this growth hormone that makes them almost like kind of like Wolverine, where they like can have fast healing stuff. But it's like yeah. it's so convoluted. But but either way, it's just a big fight scene of a bunch of like robot suits versus people, yeah. and then and then freaking uh, yeah. 
Guy Pierce is like, I'm OP and like I'm ready to fight you. And then it was just, I don't know. It, 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 I do agree with you. The first two um, acts were actually excellent. I think they were really, really yes. great. And the third act was just a big, and that's, I think that's also an issue of what we're doing as, as we're reviewing this, this, these movies for this podcast. We're not really that into the action scenes. Like it's all about no. the story and the development and the, and the dialogue. And so when yep. I see these like just prolonged fight scenes, I'm kind of just like, okay, this is interesting, but it doesn't really add to the story. It's just kind of like the buffer to get to the next part of the story. Yeah. And uh, and sometimes, I mean, like, I'll still say this. I was at Best We're like getting a little off topic. We're going to come back in a second. I was at Best Buy this past weekend, and there's like this giant 8K TV on sale, and they had Infinity War on. And I stood there for like 25 minutes. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> I was like, this is so dope. It was the scene where um where uh, they were on that planet and uh Doctor Strange, Spider-Man, all you know, yeah. all the guardians. And it was right when um not Gamora, what's her name? The other daughter comes in with the ship yeah, and like more sister. Yeah, just bulldoze. I it's just so cool. And it was an 8K, so I was like. This is these are fight scenes I want to watch. So these <laughs> the one we saw in Iron Man three was kind of whatever. But hey, um, let's dive into some of our observations. I, I have three kind of quick observations. I know you have some. The first yeah. one is this. Uh, so let's talk about it real quick. Does Iron Man three count as a Christmas movie? Uh, I stand that Die Hard is a Christmas movie, and if Die Hard is a Christmas movie, Iron Man three is absolutely a Christmas movie like yeah. without a doubt I mean it's it's almost like they were trying to play into the joke of Die yeah. Hard is the Christmas movie like from the, one of the opening scenes was New Year's Eve and then soon thereafter it's Christmas time and winter and snow and they're even made some jokes in there at different points um one of them uh what was it Tony even made the line it's Christmas take him to church it was like yeah. there was like a few yeah, of these yeah. lines in there so like they were even playing into it and absolutely. Now, will I watch it at Christmas with my family? Probably not. But yeah. is it a Christmas movie? Yes. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I think if you can, if you consider Die Hard a Christmas movie, this is a Christmas movie. I think this is this is now the this was the first of only two entries in the Marvel Cinematic Universe that's Christmas. Even though Spider Man uh, No Way Home or yeah, or No Way Home ends with a Christmas theme. Um, I do think uh, what's what's that movie? Uh, the show Hawkeye is is a is a Christmas TV show, which I think actually uses the element of Christmas better than all the other ones because it's constantly like that tension. It's a countdown, like, "Hey, I gotta get home for Christmas. I gotta get home for Christmas." Yeah. Where uh, where this one Jonathan, is like, what? I gotta get home for Christmas. Jonathan Taylor Thomas is saying yes, he does. Anyways, sorry, <laughs> really bad old jokes. <laughs> but th- you're right. I mean, this is as Christmas of a movie as Die Hard is a Christmas movie. So. Um, the, the two other things is uh, there is this is the only movie I could think of in the MCU that has a narrator or narration, and I do love the tie into to the end credit scene where like obviously you find out that this is Tony talking to a therapist and his therapist is Bruce Banner, who's not a therapist, which I thought was <laughs> funny. Um, but it, it was an interesting plot device that I'm glad Marvel hasn't done again because I feel like. I feel like they took a. I think because this is the third Iron Man movie, so it kind of completed his trilogy to then just be like basically a cameo for the rest of the franchise. That like, if you were to um, do this plot device of it having narration, it it would be weird. It doesn't feel very Marvelly, but it fit it fit in this movie. 
Yeah, I think it did. The only one that I could think of, and this isn't a movie, What If did that with The Watcher, um, where they did have the narrator, but they're, that's the only one that I can think of, and it fit there because of the movie. I did yeah. like, though, Banner's at the end when he was going over with Tony. He says, I'm not that kind of a doctor. I'm not a therapist. I don't have that kind of training. And then real quietly, I had the <laughs> subtitles on. He goes, or temperament. Like, he actually, yeah, like, says it, and I'm like, okay, well done, Marvel. Like, there's there's a joke in there. You played it. Um, That's good. No, I agree with you. I think the narrator piece, it fit this and it'll, for a little bit. Um, but then when I get my observations, when the turn happened, I don't think it fit sure. anymore. Um, sure. And for what if it worked? I'll say that because for oh, yeah, what if you yeah, yeah, needed yeah. that narrator piece, but that's, you're right. That's not a movie. That's a show. That's a whole different. Yeah. 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 And then the last observation I had was, um, you know, people rank Iron Man three pretty low on their list for the MCU. And I don't disagree with it. I actually, I think now I have to look back at my list. I do think I would put Iron Man three above Iron Man two after rewatching this. I don't know. I have to think, kind of think about it, but like, this is some of the best Iron Man quips of any MCU film. I mean, he was the dialogue was so on point. Um, we're gonna talk about this later, but like even the scene where um this the, the little boy is kind of teasing, not teasing him, but kind of like poking at him, like, hey, are you anxious? Like, are you do you need your medicine? Uh, are you having a panic attack? Or do you have PTSD? And like the way Tony <laughs> responds to all that. Is so funny. There's even one yeah. scene where, oh my goodness, it's so kind of like it's a little blue. I mean, it is blue. It's kind of like it's very PG thirteen. Um, the little boy is kind of like saying like, "I don't have a dad. He left me," and all this stuff. And then Tony's like, "Dads come and go every day. Don't be." And then he says an inappropriate word, but he says, "Don't, don't, don't be a baby about it." Basically, and I was like, <laughs> "Oh my gosh!" But I was I was watching some commentary about Iron Man three, and they said that Iron Man three is what sets up his relationship with Peter Parker. Like it's kind of the first like dive into him having a, a kind of a mentee kind of like son to pour into. And we don't know where this kid, cause he, we know that he shows up later at Endgame, but like, we don't know what does, what the future of this kid holds, whether he's going to be a young Avengers or not, but like it kind of is what started, um, uh, Tony Stark to become like, hey, to find this young kid, his protege, and move on. Anyway, what are your some of your observations? Yeah, no, I'd, I'd agree with you. I actually was waiting in the movie the first time. I remember seeing it and be like, this is going to be Tony's kid, isn't it? This is going to be Tony's kid, isn't it? Like, my dad ran away. It's like mom told a lie. Like, I was waiting for that drop. And there, were the, my observations, I said this earlier, but I think the first two-thirds of this movie were were really good Marvel. Like, really good Marvel. The Mandarin, if you didn't know what was coming with the turn with Trevor, was terrifying. Yeah. Like, they did never see me coming. That was, that was creepy, dude. That was so good. It kind of reminded me of um, Bane from the Dark Knight series. Yes. Like, like, like just like very, like, ominous and creepy. Um, It was really good. Yeah. And like, even when he's got like several of the, I'll use the, I'll say like the propaganda commercials for him where he takes over. One of his lines says, You know who I am. You know what I've done, but you'll never see me coming. What you said. And it's like, I'm like, I'm like, I remember in the movie theater thinking, This guy is terrifying. Like, when you didn't know the turn was coming, when he becomes, spoiler alert, Trevor, 
Like <laughs> that, I think from that moment on, when he, when the Trevor thing, it disarmed and broke the tension so much, they were never able to rebuild it the rest of the movie. You know, and you know what I just realized? And I, I don't, I, if, if you're listening and this is like sensitive to you, please forgive me. But, you know, as we're recording this, um, we know that Russia is invading Ukraine and there's war right now yeah. in Ukraine. But like one thing that, you know, I've learned is that Russia really does a good job with um, misinformation campaigns and they use like social media and, and, and like fake videos and, and, you know, fake stuff to kind of spread propaganda and lies. And like, this really does like, does that like this movie does it. Yeah. I, I do realize that like, I think, I think they were kind of poking the bear with more of like the Taliban and like, you know, uh, Muslim extremists and, and th- that kind of yeah. vibe or whatever. But like, it's kind of scary that like this is this is not a uh, false view of how war and terror is done today. No, I think it, I think you're right. It actually gives you greater perspective for those that are inside of it. That just like that's what they live in. Uh, I mean, yeah. the, the Mandarin was terrifying. Um, the Mandarin we got in Shang Chi, totally different character, completely different character. And I'm really glad they kind of retconned that to be that way. Um, yeah. And actually, if, if you want to, there's a short on Disney Plus where they see how Trevor gets to the Mandarin. Go watch it. Yeah. It's hysterical. Yo, it's like 10 minutes long. Yeah. If you, if, you go to, if you go to Disney Plus right now and uh, they Marvel just added a bunch of shorts. Um, there's actually another one besides this one that like goes right before Iron Man 3, I think. Or I don't know. I, I forgot where it fits. But there's a bunch of these shorts. A lot of them revolve around um, what's his name? Uh oh my goodness, I can't think of his name. The guy that, Colson. Agent Colson. A lot of them roll on Colson, and then there's a bunch of like really silly ones that do not further the plot about Thor that is really, really, really funny. But this yeah. one is actually like I do think it's called um it's, it's called Marvel One Shot or something like that. Or I that's, what, that's what the that's that's what the category is, or the Marvel One Shots, and it's like oh something king for Oh, Marvel all hail the king. Before. All hail the king. That's right? what it is. Yep. This is mandatory watch to understand the bridge between this yeah. and and uh, um, Shang Chi and the Ten Rings. Yeah, 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 it's it's very important. So this is not like just like a webisode where it's just like if you want to watch it, you want to watch it. Like it is yeah. mandatory watching, but it's it's good. Anyways, what else you got? No, I, yeah, I was just to say Mandarin, Mandarin pre Trevor top five villains, post Trevor sure. top bottom five, five villains. <laughs> I mean, it was like literally that much of a turn. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. I this, I said this. This is where Iron Man three up to that point. I enjoyed the narrator. I wish it would have broke right there, and they would have lost the narrator vibe, sure. and they would have let yeah. the awkwardness, and then go. So who is it? Because they were after that. They tried to do like three or four more twists between like Killian now as a supervillain to PTSD and even more diving into war stuff to um, pots dying so you have this emotional thing and then she's not dead and she's now op and she's about to die and there were just so many things where i felt like they actually tried too hard um to try to create these massive twists that i wish that they would have either kept the manor in the whole way and then made that twist in another movie or that they would have done something i don't know i i feel like anyways that's my that's my viewpoint on the movie itself um i thought there was a lot uh in here, there's the one, uh, Mia, who is the scientist that's good and bad and good and bad. You never really tell. And even in this movie, after watching it, you don't really know. She has a line, and I'm not going to talk about this um, 
much where she says we all begin wide-eyed then our ego sets in and we are way off base way offshore that's good and i'm like i remember when it when it was said i was watching um the movie i paused it and i was like i gotta sit in that word line for a second because that line happens right after um tony is hanging from the bed springs um in the dungeon and she's looking at him explaining why she joined forces with killian and that she, and she basically says, yeah, I had a, at first I, I was in this for the right reasons. And then slowly over time I drifted and I was like, dear Lord, is that not believers? Like the whole, like, if you want to go study an old Testament book, go study the book of Amos. That entire book is talking about the dangerous drift from the heart of God. And we start totally in line with Christ, but yet over time we slowly drift. And then we look back and go, how did we get here? And it's a slow burn. It's not the pun intended from this movie. Um, as opposed to a hard left turn a lot of times. And so I don't know. There was that was really good. Um I I really enjoyed um this idea of them leaning into, we'll talk about this later, the fact that Tony is not perfect. Yeah. I think this is the first movie where they didn't try to hide that at all. In fact, he even has a line like saying, I'm a hot mess. Like he just says that right off the bat. I'm um, actually, excuse me, I'm a piping hot mess. Um, and one of my observations that I thought was good, we actually, they blatantly said out loud what Tony's why is like, they gave his reasoning and it's, he goes, I'm here to protect pots. Everything I do is to protect her. And so I think we get a little more of his characterization in this. So for that, it was good. I'd put this a middle of the pack movie for Marvel. Um, I've gotten a lot of people making fun of me saying, you guys say every movie is basement of Marvel. Are there any of them that's not? I'm like, this isn't the basement. But it's definitely not second floor. Like it's somewhere in between there. I mean, here's the thing: in about three, so like in about three movies, we are getting to like just upper echelon Marvel. Yeah. And so, so like uh, this is where we're gonna have the struggle of saying which is not our top favorites. You know what I'm saying? Because there's just so many good, good, good movies coming up. Uh, You know, Iron Man. We we needed. I I think we thought we needed Phase One and these next two movies in order to get the character development we needed to feel the emotions we feel later on. So this is, it's pretty good. Um, yeah, no, it's good. Yeah. Things one was needed in order to set the characterization. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, let's uh, transition into our um, main discussion. Uh, yeah. Uh, we, we have something special today though. Um, we are going to interview a licensed counselor and a big MCU fan to talk about Tony's PTSD. But before we do that, we have a couple brief uh, topics that we want to kind of run through. I'll start us off. Um, I think there's a conversation about the image of God here, uh, and so let me let me explain it like this. Happy Hogan says this kind of as a joke. It's a little it's a little silly bit. He says the human element of human resources is the biggest vulnerability, and we need to eliminate it. And and it's just like you know he wants to. He wants to automate everything. He wants to control everyone. He wants to make sure everyone has their badges. And um, and, and and that's kind of like a funny bit, but I think it's actually a, a soft message to what is actually happening in the greater scheme of the movie, right? Adrian Killian is using people who have some sort of disability or missing limbs or or some sort of ailment that he gives them whatever this like – chemical compound MacGuffin thing to cause them to be able to, to regenerate their limbs, to kind of get health. Very similar to what um, uh, Wolverine has, whatever, that, whatever yeah. that's called. Like, like, like he has that, that, that 
ability to regenerate and to heal. And so um, here's the thing. Humanity is a big vulnerability. Like I think as Christians, uh, we, we, we know that to be, to, to, to be human because of sin causes us to be weak and vulnerable and create a lot of mistakes. But Adrian Killian, he sees people as a means to an end. And, and, uh, and as Happy Hogan says, we need to eliminate the human problem. But as Christians, that is not how we should be seeing each other. I think we yeah. see this play out way bigger on a grander scale. And we may talk about this some more in Age of Ultron and the way Ultron sees humanity. But um, one thing we have to talk about is what the image of God means. So Genesis 1, 26-27 says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. So all of humanity has been bestowed with a sense of dignity and worth that should not be a thing that should be eliminated for the sake of productivity or as a pawn of power, right? Uh, mm-hmm. The image of God, what it does is is it ties us to the Lord in a bunch of different ways. It It's the reason why we desire community. It's the reason why Tony wants to protect pots. It's the reason why... Um, it's the reason why the Guardians of the Galaxy need each other. We have a sense right. and a need for community because God, who is triune, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, has eternally existed in the community. And therefore, when he created us in their image, we were wired for that sense of community. There's also a sense of um, uh, creativity. Like God is a, a God of creativeness that created things out of um, – his own good pleasure, and therefore he's bestowed that creativity for us to do that. I mean, one thing I think about often is if God desired for all of us to be like dogs and eat dog food and eat the same thing over and over again, he could have. We could all be just be eating pellets of carbohydrates, right? Or, <laughs> But he doesn't. He gives us a, a tongue with a bunch of different taste buds to enjoy good food and good drink on this earth, right? Um there's a sense of uh, dominion that we see in this passage where God has called humanity to have dominion as in we are, our job is to cultivate, to grow, to be creative with all of what God has created. And therefore, um, therefore, like, since God be, be created everything, God has called us to be stewards of his creation. What do you think, what do you think about that, Tommy? I think you talked about the dominion piece. And we talk about in scripture when we're reading it, the context around matters too. And so you go right into verse 28, right after Genesis 1, 26 and 27. And 28 actually talks about what does it mean to be rulers, to have dominion. It says, be fruitful and increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it, rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the sky and over every legion that moves. And then he continues on with that in verse 29. You can read it. But that idea that we're created to actually live here. Like we are created in some ways, like this earth was designed for us to be rulers over it on God's behalf. And that's part of us being an image bearer alongside the creativity, the relational dynamic. Yeah, it's so good. It's so good. Tying back to this movie, to be created in the image of God means humanity is what most reflects who God is. So this is why murder is sinful. To murder an image bearer is to murder what is most like God. 
This is why porn is evil. It objectifies women and reduces them to their bodies and not as image bearers. And this is why racism is insane, right? To to hate someone because of the color of their skin is to hate an image bearer who was created to reflect the creative the creativity of God by allowing them to have more or less pigmentation in their skin, right? I'm sure we're going to have a lot more to say about the image of God later. But but one thing I just think about is Happy Hogan is is playing this up for a joke in this movie. But I think that Adrian Killian is is seeing humanity as, you know, pawns for his power grab over the entire world to make more money and whatever his his why is, his ambitions are. And ultimately, um, I think one thing we see in a grander scale with – the Avengers and the MCU is this desire to protect humanity because there is this inherent value and worth, right? There's this, there's this, there's this purpose for humanity. And, um, and even whether, whether it's Ultron or Thanos, the reason why the Avengers fight for what they fight for is because of their, this sense of worth and value in these creatures. I think what you're saying is totally good. I think actually diving into understanding how we view humanity and seeing it as image bearers is monstrous. Um, Even to the point of, I think Killian, he sees people like machines. They're just the ability to be evolved. That's it. And like, cause he even says that several times in the movie, like we're going to reach our final evolution and we're going to tap into this and do these different things. And I'm like, okay, time out. Like we're not machines. We're not a computer that's just supposed to be upgraded for parts um as he's putting it in the evolution sense and so there is that and we'll dive into this in future we're like he's combating the effects of sin like he is he's combating the effects of sin one of the effects of sin is our bodies are no longer eternal and we're dealing with death is 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 coming and so yeah i think he's dealing with very real very reality of sin and his response to it instead of seeing people as image bearers that are made to be saved, he's thinking, how can we upgrade? And I think that there's a fundamental difference between that. Um, and so that's what makes actually uh, uh, Happy's joke about, we need to get rid of the human element. You laugh. And then later on in the movie, when Killian's like, we need to get rid of the human element. You're like, why would you say that? Like they literally are taking one as a joke and one of them's real and they're pounding each other in the face. I did appreciate that a little bit. Um, yeah. I mean, the whole exploding people was a little... Uh, little crazy now I'll, I'll be real um yeah. but no i think you're right seeing people the way god sees us which are his image bearers that were his glory that he wants to us to put on display his power authority and significance i think is huge it's good My, mine comes actually from one line tony said so i gotta be honest this movie and the next one that we'll dive into in the in the coming weeks thor it was hard to pull some stuff out. Like I'm just going to be straight up be- because they're the same themes over and over again. And there's not like that one liner or that in there. And so this I, one I may also, feel a I, little bit like a stretch. I was also going to say, I think it's because there's, they, they try to pack in way more action in these movies and action doesn't drive plot. Right. So yeah. I think that's, I think there was a lot of just like, um, I think I, I know why dark world is such a low movie. And it's because there really isn't a lot of storyline. Um, where Iron Man three, I think there's a lot of good storyline, but there's a lot more like jokes and not a lot of like. I mean, the biggest thing, and we're going to talk about this, is his PTSD. But what were you going to say? What was the yeah. line? No, for me, it was a line he said it early in the movie, 
And it was, this, it was a setup line that I think as you watch the movie more, this line developed through the movie and had deeper meaning. And towards the beginning of this movie, he he's, I think he's, I can't remember exactly when it was. I want to say it was when he was talking to Potts, but he makes, oh, it might've been in his um, overture at the beginning. Anyway, this is what he says. He literally is talking and he goes, I've created my own demons. And, and he makes that comment. And I remember pausing and kind of sitting there and having to think. And then the movie, if you remember, he interacts with nerdy Killian before he's super power, glam up, whatever you want to say, dude, by the end of the movie, who who he 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 makes a decision. And then he has the scientist girl who he's not interested in any of her stuff in terms of her what she did with botany and creating regenerative plants. He's got other interests in mind that are not PG thirteen. Um and and so you see that his decisions had consequences. But if you'd have told him, like, in that New Year's Eve, that when the decisions he made would lead to what he is, he probably would have looked at you and be like, are you kidding me? There's no way. And I think so that line when he says, "We've I've created my demons, I actually think was just really cool. Like, you got to see how the decisions he made influenced his future. And, and I think as followers of Christ, we sometimes walk into, I'm following Jesus I am I I should have no consequences against me because I'm free in Christ. And let me say from a spiritual standpoint, totally true. Absolutely truth. Like I am free from eternal damnation. Um you know, Christ talks about for all for God came what Jesus came in John 3:17 not to condemn the world, but to save it. Like there is a piece in this salvific purse, excuse me, the salvific um part of what Jesus did that actually gives us freedom from punishment but i think that's different than freedom of consequences now let me explain this i want to kind of parse out what i mean by punishment and and consequences this may not be a universal maybe there's a better way to say it so okay but the way i view it is like there's a difference between eternal spiritual punishment for the wages of sin is death right um but the gift of god is eternal life so we're talking about a future one but there's also, there are still consequences we deal with. And that's actually not an unbiblical thing. If I make the decision, a, f- a bad financial decision, God doesn't look to me and say, hey, I saved you. I'm going to remove you from that financial situation. Maybe he does. But he also may look at me and go, you made your bed. <laughs> You're going to lie in it. There's there's consequences to follow. Um, and I think that this is key. This is actually like when you... I keep going back to these two verses in every single one. So maybe we should call this the amazing gospel according to Exodus 34, 6, and 7. Um, <laughs> That's funny. But uh, at the very end, there's this phrase. And if, I know I've talked about it a smidge, but it says, um, after God and Moses have gone back and forth, Jesus, um, God on the mountain has said, Yahweh has said, this is my name. I'm Yahweh, Yahweh, compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love and forgiving wickedness. So he's talking about, Look, my love is is incredible. It goes on for thousands of generations. And then he has this line at the end that doesn't show up on Hobby Lobby throw pillows with these verses. And it says, yet he does not leave the guilty unpunished. He punishes the children and their children for the sins of their parents to the third and fourth generation. So you read that, Exodus 34, 7, and you're like, wait a second. Is God into generational curses? Is God into like cursing people? And I'm like, I don't, I don't think that's what it is. And when I've studied this and I've looked at scholars and others, they actually say this isn't God saying, look, you're going to make a decision. I'm going to punish the generations to come. It's actually him saying the consequences of the choices we make and the way sin affects us 
can last for generations to come. Um, it, I think you see this. We see this um, very often. You'll hear people say it's hard to break um, cycles in families. So you'll see a grandfather will be a drunk. The dad or the mom then will be a drunk. And then the kid, the grandkid will be a drunk. Why is that? There's generational almost it passes from one to the next. And we would go, yeah, that's true. And I think the same can be said of anger, about the way we see finances, about the way we deal with certain sin habits, um, whether that's pornography, whether that's greed, whether that's lust, whether that's, I mean, you fill in like um, gluttony, whatever it is, there tends to be generational where it's hard to break those. And I think what God is saying here unintentionally, I don't think it's the, the main point of what he's saying, but he's saying, yeah, the consequences of your actions are there. There's going to be physical ramifications for the choice you make. Just because you follow me doesn't mean you're free of that. Sin still exists. We're not in the new city. We're not in the city yet to come. While we live in light of my citizenship or me being a part of that kingdom, I'm still living in this world and I'm dealing with the effects of sin. And so I think when when we hear when 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 Tony says the line, I've created my own demons. This movie actually does a beautiful thing of seeing how the choices he made years ago have affected his future almost directly. And I'm like, as Christ followers, that's actually true. The decisions we make is going to impact our future, both for positive and for harmful effects. And Christ, here's what the beautiful part about these verses. I think this is what he's saying. God isn't saying in Exodus 34, 6, and 7 that, hey, I'm going to give you generational curses. I think what he's saying is my love is so great that through that, through what you're going through, I'm going to be with you. Um, it actually, at one translation of this doesn't say he punishes the children. It says he comes alongside <laughs> and, he wa- and he's with you through it. And so I, I think um, if you want more clarity, I've said this book several times, but um, God as a Name by John Mark Comer, actually his entire chapter dedicated to parsing that out. Um, if you want YouTube links on different teachings that I've watched from guys that I trust, that have dived into it, um, send me a link on, um, shoot me a, a notice on Instagram or on my Facebook or Twitter. Um, I will happily pass those along to you, diving into that whole concept more. But I think that there is something in understanding as Christ followers, we the decisions we make still affect us today. Like we can't, we're, we, we can't be free of that. I don't know. What do you think, man? No, I, I do think that's really, really good. And I think in a, in a grand scale for the movies, um, we are seeing that, you know, there's this like interconnection, interconnectedness between all of the movies. And I think what you're seeing also are the consequences of people's choices and actions. Like New York and Avengers affects everything all the way till the next big Avengers team up movie. I mean, it's the reason why Ultron exists. It's the reason why Civil War existed. It's, I mean, all these movies like happen and because of the consequences of, of, of those things. And I think that it's true for us as believers as well. That's good. What is it? Jane in Dark World punches Loki in the face and goes, that's for New York, right? I mean, right, it's like right. literally, <laughs> like you see yeah. that. And I mean, let's be honest, Age of Ultron is 100% a consequence of Tony's decision. Yeah. Like 100%. And actually, yeah, there's, there's some things coming. There's some rumors for... Uh, Doctor Strange, where we may see another version of Iron Man. And if that comes out as true, it's going to be because he made different decisions. So, yeah, yeah I, well, I think it, I, it, I was going to no, say I, the, new Doctor Str- the new Doctor Strange movie is a part of the consequences of what happened in Spider-Man. You know what I'm saying? So anyways, yes. sorry. Let me let you wrap up. Let's go ahead. Yeah. No, I, th- I think in wrapping up, it's just more of um, 
I think we just have to be conscious of two things. One, in the decisions we make, there will be consequences, both in negative or positively. And I think this is what's beautiful about who God is. He's with us either way. He doesn't leave us. He doesn't say, well, too bad. Like literally like claps his hands and like throws us off and said, all right, I'm moving on to the next one. I think he walks with us through that. And this is where when we look at James 1, when it says, count it all joy, my brothers and sisters, we face trials and temptations of any kind. I think there are times where those are put upon us from other people's decisions or God walking us through them. Um, we see that in Psalm 23, <laughs> lead me not into the shadow of death. I mean, it's like that kind of deal. But there's also at times where God's like, no, actually you going through this is good. There's some things I need to teach you and you need to learn. And it's part of your sanctification or your spiritual growth. And I think it's beautiful. Um, and actually it's why, as we've talked about, and we're, this is my segue into um, our, our special guest, I think the decisions and things that Iron Man has gone through, um, he's starting to change. He's starting to, but he's got to really wrestle with some stuff before that, um, like PTSD, like major anxiety. I mean, he has how many panic attacks in this movie? Three, four, where he completely shuts down. Um, one of them where he's literally flying and the Iron Man suit wakes him up <laughs> because yeah. he has such a yeah. major panic attack. Um, and yeah, and so... Yeah, I think this is my segue. We've got a special guest that we, we kind of teased earlier. We're actually, you and I have talked about wanting to do this, so we're really excited for yeah. this. Yeah. Um, we've been talking a lot about in these movies how there's been some different, whether it's PTSD, anxiety, other mental health issues that have been coming up and will continue to come up. And you and I have a lot of theological training. We have some um, training in terms of pastoral care. I have a little bit of counseling care, but let's, let's, I'm going to speak for myself and I'll let you speak for yourself. I'm not going to claim to sit here and be an expert on this. Um, no, at all. At all. Would you say that? Or what would you say? Yeah, I would say I can tell you what the Bible says, but there's some level of like, just like, just like what Bruce Banner says to Tony, this is not my area of expertise. Um, I don't have the training for this. And I think one of the biggest issues, if you're a pastor listening to this, one of the biggest ways we can harm our people is when we step into areas like this where we uh, we, we, we over-spiritualize or under under or uh, not appreciate the extent of how our mental health can affect us and not turn some of these situations, these counseling cases over to professionals. And so... Uh, we yeah. sit down with a new friend of ours. We interview Caleb Klingen. He's a licensed counselor as well as a big MCU fan. And we talk with him about PTSD, trauma, and and also uh, briefly talk about kind of the place for therapy for Christians. Because I feel like we're now getting to a place where therapy and counseling are not as taboo or, or weird. Mm -hmm. But um, I think it's still worth having the conversation. So, so we're going to talk to him and then we're going to come back and wrap up the show. And so when we watched Iron Man 3, clearly the main thing they talk about, which is pretty incredibly bold for a superhero movie, is they have a conversation about uh, mental health, specifically about PTSD and trauma. And so we decided to reach out to a friend of a friend, um, uh, our buddy Caleb here. He's from Arkansas. We, we reached out to him. He's a licensed counselor. He's a Christian, a Christian counselor as well as a Marvel fan and also a bit of a Star Wars fan. So we are, we're glad he's here. And, uh, and so Caleb, how you doing? Hey guys, I'm doing good. Thank you for having me. So quickly tell us who you are, where you're, you know, where specifically you are, what you do to kind of give an, an idea of who you are. 
Yeah. Well, first things first, uh, the order would go Star Wars, then Marvel. That would be, oh. would be appropriate. Hang on, Fair hang enough. on. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm just kidding, man. You're good. Like, there's, there's no hard fast, whatever. You're good. Well, Star Wars came first. Probably more recently, my love for Marvel is stronger. But we won't go into that. That's a whole separate podcast. Um, yeah, so, yeah, my name is Caleb Klingen. I am a licensed therapist in Arkansas. I am recently licensed. Like, uh, I graduated last year, got my license last summer. And just kind of dove headlong deep into uh, community mental health. And so I work for a, right now I work for a community mental health clinic called the Guidance Center. And through that, I am a school-based therapist uh, at a school district here in Arkansas. And so I see K through 12th grade. Um, It's fun trying to have stuff in my office for everybody (laughs) from kindergarten all the way to 12th grade. Um, I'm also working in the process of becoming a trauma-focused CBT therapist. So like I'm working on getting a fo- like officially licensed in trauma-focused CBT. Uh, we call it just TFCBT. Um, I'm working in getting licensed in that. And so like I've done all the trainings and now just working on doing, we have to do like these supervision calls and uh, while I'm working with clients. And so, um, but yeah, and I'm, I'm a Christian. I am a uh, I am not in a Christian setting or base. So like when, when clients come to me, most, most of the time they are not Christian. Um, but it's, you know, I, I like do the ninja juke, Jesus juke thing to them all the time. So I just quote scripture to them all the time. They have no idea. Yeah. Oh, so, so you're, you're like us just in a different setting. We're just pastors sure. people trying to point people to Jesus. Yeah, dude, that's awesome. Exactly. I appreciate it. I, I love it. Uh, and anytime that we can uh, nerd out with other people who are, are doing stuff, it's great. And actually, it was funny when uh, when we reached out to you. You mentioned um, that you hadn't heard of the podcast, so which is fine. Yeah. I'm like, I'm not upset that much. It's fine. <laughs> well, I'll get over it. But more that what you just said is every year you watch through all the Star Wars movies and all the Marvel movies, and yeah, yeah. in a in a crazy timing, you watched Iron Man three before we even talked about this interview last yeah. week. Yeah. So yep, it's literally like watch it last week. Yeah, which is awesome. So it's fresh on your mind. And so we're, it's fresh on our mind too. And so kind of as, as you were watching Iron Man 3, um, my question is like, how would you diagnose Tony? And like, like, cause there's, there seems to be a lot going on there. And like, and obviously you're not sitting down in a session with him. This is more from a bird's eye view, but wh- sure. how would you diagnose him? Well, to start with, I think you just hit on a very key thing. I am getting so much more information than I would ever get from an actual person in, in the in the counseling room. Uh, so it's so much easier to diagnose. I was like, I was watching it and I was like, man, it'd be so nice if I could see everything playing out like this. In <laughs> but um, yeah, so it, it's so ironic. Like once again, the, the, the God wink of me being on this podcast i i looked over at my wife while we were watching and i was like man tony is like they, they did ptsd well with tony <laughs> like like i just I, i'd said that to her while we were watching it and then uh so yeah to come to that question you know um you, you know you guys had thrown that out to me before we started of you know what would i diagnose him with what would that look like and i just i you know i quickly just went to the dsm-5 and i was like well off the top of my head, I feel like I would diagnose him with this, but let's make sure. And so I went through and looked at the criterion and dude, it, it literally every single piece of criteria that you have to have for PTSD, he's got at least one thing, like for each well, thing. And so, hold on, Caleb, 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 hold on. So you just said something and just to make sure, cause 
in my Bible college, I took a counseling course and we had to get the DSM-5 for our uh, textbook. But that might be foreign yeah. to people of what that is. Can you explain really quickly what the DSM-5 is? Yeah, totally. So the DSM-5 is basically, it's the the Diagnostic Statistics and Manual, I believe. Uh, I'm a terrible therapist, don't even know. Um, <laughs> so it's uh, it's basically... It's basically like the, the the reference book that we can go to to say here's here's what we can diagnose that insurance will pay for here's the code that it will provide so that we can provide that to insurance to say hey we're we're billing them and treating them under this code uh, but it also it also just it it puts definitions on what each thing is so they it's it's the DSM five because it's the fifth revision um, and every so what so what odd years they they come together and reevaluate what the definitions are. They add things, they take things out. Uh, but essentially it's like, if it's in the DSM five insurance will pay for it. Um, which is once again, it's own podcast on itself of what's not in the DSM five, <laughs> but, um, it's, it's a, it's also a good, it's also just a great, uh, reference for therapists to come together. And before I just slap a, a diagnosis on you, let me just check and make sure that you have all the criteria and it tells you exactly so like I'll give an example of the first one for PTSD is uh, you have to have one or more of the following um, ways of, of exposure to actual threatened to de death, injury, or sexual violence. And so it lists four different things out that are like directly experiencing the traumatic events, witnessing in person the event as it occurred to others, learning that the traumatic event occurred, experiencing repeated or extreme exposure. And those are all just like four different options and making sure that they've experienced one of those things. And it could be that you have more. And so, like I said, it's a, there's a, a for the for the PTSD diagnosis, uh, it goes A to H. And literally Tony Stark in this movie had one of everything. Wow. <laughs> Which wow. was, like I said, he's picture perfect of what PTSD can look like. Yeah. So, Man, that, uh, it's crazy. If he was if he was if he if, if Tony, instead of going to Bruce Banner, he went to to you, like how, like what kind of treatment would you give to a person who experiences kind of PTSD? Well, sure. I mean, you know, especially now with me going through my trauma focused training, um, I, w I would dive headlong into that. And and so, kind of to break that down, there's there's really three main. Um, three main categories of what we do in TFCBT, which is to, the first step is really to, um, it's called stabilization. Like we're, we are just working on developing coping skills, doing psychoeducation, doing gradual exposure, where we talk about what happened slowly. We don't just dive straight into tell me what happened. We, we just slowly start to reference it as we go along and build up gradual exposure so that we can, we can talk about this without it causing an emotional escalation. Um, and so like working in that stabilization phase, like I said, that's where we work on coping skills. That's where we work on, um, figuring out what, what are the actionable steps that we can do to, um, to handle our emotions when we get escalated, identifying trauma reminders, uh, trauma reminders are huge. And there's so many in, in the Iron Man movie that are fantastic, like the way that they're in there. Um, just those little things that take Tony right back to what happened. In, in, in the Avengers movie. And so, you know, like just working on identifying what that is because so much of the problem is even just being aware of it, like just raising awareness of it. 
so that's stage one, stabilization. Once we can get through that and have good coping skills in place and have really kind of figured out all of the trauma uh, reminders, all the triggers, um, and have, have figured out how we can manage ourselves once we get escalated, then we work on a thing called trauma narration and reprocessing. And so basically what we do in the narration is that's when we come together and talk about what happened. Like we, you can make it in a, into a book, you can make it in, through art or a poem, but essentially we're writing down what happened, how they responded to what happened, uh, you know, what's, what's life been like since it happened, just going through all of the details of those things. And because what we're trying to do throughout this whole thing is you're trying to retrieve those memories of the trauma without it causing an emotional reaction. Because that's what, what trauma does is it comes back as a memory, not just as memory, it comes back as an experience your body says you have to react to right now. Wow. Whereas when I think about a memory, I can think about like a few years ago, I, I wrecked my car on accident. <laughs> well, I mean, who doesn't in purpose, but I, I, uh, I accidentally wrecked my car. And I can think about that experience. I can think about every single aspect of that experience. And it doesn't cause my heart rate to escalate. It doesn't cause me to start sweating. It doesn't cause me to start tensing up. But with trauma, trauma says like it comes back as something that it tells your body that you need to react to this right now because it's happening again. Yeah, And that and makes sense again, because Tony, yeah, it makes sense because yep. when Tony hears like New York, he freaks out in the moment. He just absolutely goes crazy. And even when the kid starts talking to him and he's experiencing things, he's in the, uh, the kid comes up and have him sign the picture and it puts his mind. Like when you say that's the A through H of PTSD, you're not <laughs> I'm joking. Telling you, it was like, literally perfect. Literally perfect. Well, and there was actually, let me pull that back up. Cause there was actually one thing that I noticed that was the exact, uh, exact thing right there of, of when that, uh, when the kid came up. I mean, I know the kid, uh, well, there was a kid in the restaurant that like drew a picture and he wanted the autograph and that triggered him. And then the the other kid who's, I think is really funny. He was like, you know what this big hole reminds me of the big wormhole in New York. Um, do you think they'll ever come back? And then he's like, he starts berating him with a bunch of questions. Like, are you on medication? No. Do you, should you be on? Probably. Uh, do you have PTSD? I think so. <laughs> it's like, like he's just like going on and on and on, and he's like, "Stop talking! Stop talking!" And then later in the movie, he's on the phone, and he and the kid has no realization what he's doing, and it causes him to stop and get out the car. And then I, you know, what's funny is, um, I think you mentioned this in like the phase one of of like the treatment, you know, of kind of like coping mechanisms yeah. and stuff like that. What's interesting is the guy, the kid was like, "Hey, you're uh, you're a mechanic, right? So go build something." And and I, I thought it was interesting because he, he kind of yeah. focused that energy into building the um, kind of like, you know, box of scraps version of the Iron Man suit to go into fight the people in Miami or whatever. Uh, it's pretty interesting. Yeah. Well, and but that once again, it was just the perfect representation of what actually happens with trauma and really just emotional escalation, period. So like, excuse me, whenever we get escalated, we don't think logically. We do not, we are not capable. Like if you were to give me five plus seven, whenever I'm emotionally escalated, I'm probably not going to be able to figure it out because it's, it's literally that side of the brain taking over. It's your emotional side of the brain taking over and saying, I'm driving the ship right now. You just get to ride along. Uh, and so that's what can be so great about coping skills is, is being able to bring that back down to where we can think logically. And like if, if Tony had 
you know, if Tony had had good coping mechanisms in place, he probably would have been able to think like, dude, I'm, I'm a genius. I can, I made this in, in a cave with a box of scraps or whatever. (laughs) (laughs) So like if, if he was able to think logically at that point, he probably would have been able to, but his emotions had just overwhelmed him. And I can't imagine too. I mean, the, like, he, you know, that conversation with that kid in the, uh, in the garage, that shed on the side, you know, that comes after another incredibly traumatizing event. You know, he has no idea if Pepper lived. He has no idea if everyone's okay. His house had just got destroyed. He was at the bottom of the ocean whenever he went to sleep. So, I mean, that, like, you take, you take all of Avengers out of it, and that experience alone would be enough to qualify for PTSD. And so, I mean, it's just one more thing that compounds onto everything and makes it harder to think logically, to think straight and to uh, put a plan in place. Yeah, I I think that's so good. And I love how you're talking about um, the multiple PSD. It's almost like I almost feel like it was we've watched through this, these movies in theological order. There's been a slow shift where they're trying things. And this was the first time I feel like they were trying to dive more into this type of stuff. Um, where it was mental health, PTSD, anxiety. And we even see it further on where they're going to escalate that into Hawkeye, into Black Widow, into other characters. So it's not like this is almost like they're dabbling and then they went full bore. Um, But I kind of want to take a turn with this a little bit. So obviously part of this podcast is to look at, um, enjoy the nerddom that is Marvel, see what theological things come out of it. But we're also followers of Jesus. And so as being followers of Jesus, as being Christians, what... um, what would you say to those of us, like, maybe it's not PTSD, but it's some other form of, I don't know, mental illness or trauma or anxiety or trying to figure out how we work. What would you say to them, like, in terms of how we should understand mental illness as it comes to our Christian faith? Mm. You know, I would say, um, I would say, first of all, welcome to the club of you know, recognizing that it's real, it exists. Uh, you, you have it and you're dealing with it and you are living life. And I would say if the Bible is talking about anxiety and the latest part of the scripture was written 2000 years ago, I mean, come on, like what, what did they have anxiety about back then? I mean, I know there's so many things that they had anxiety about, but it's none of the things that I have anxiety about now. And, you know, you look at scripture and there's over 300 sayings of do not be afraid, do not be afraid, do not be afraid. Well, for God to say that, the precursor to that is for you to have fear. (laughs) Like you have to have that first for God to be able to tell you not to have that. And so I don't, the things that I would say to a Christian are like, I mean, it feels so um, uh, gratuitous to say, just give yourself grace, give yourself grace, give yourself grace. But, but in the the reality is that uh, our, our emotions, our, our thoughts, in our behaviors, those three things, like the the lens of CBT, is is all about addressing all of those things in situations. And and when it comes to our faith, you can see God in all of that. And and there's so much that there's so much that you have to trust God for. There's so much that you have to be able to uh, like let go and let God or whatever cliche thing you want to say there. That's actually accurate. That, what a great statement. It's just really vague. <laughs> um, you know, whatever you want to say there, all of that's there, but there's also so many practical things that you can do to where you can, you can take charge of your thoughts in your brain. Like I, I think about Philippians 4, 8, where it says like, whatever's true, whatever's just, whatever's pure, you know, think about these things. 
the scripture is literally telling you like, hey, you don't have to just not think bad thoughts. Here's what we want you to think. Here is what you need to be focusing your mind on. And I don't know, like I said, whenever we come to, when we come to this from the faith lens, uh, I just feel like the, the common approach that the church has had is that all these things are a lack are a sign of a lack of faith. And I, I just think that couldn't be further from the truth. Like, like how, how, I don't know, arrogant is it to say that God's not with me in depression, that God's not with me in anxiety, that God's not going to be the only thing to help me through those things. I, you know, I just, there's such a stigma around that, that I would, I would want to encourage the Christian believer to have faith, have hope, have grace on themselves and, and lean into the things that you can take in control of and do and trust God with the rest. Yeah. I think it's good too, even when we're thinking through therapy and other stuff to be like, God will use those things too. And he wants us to work through them. I know, Frank, what do you think, man? Yeah. I think we're a lot like that kid who, when we talk about counseling, we're just like, uh, what's wrong? Uh, do you need, do you take, do you need to take med-? Like, we're just kind of like ignorant about this stuff. <laughs> and I think sometimes, um, sure. Uh, whether we don't show grace to others or we don't show grace to ourselves. I mean, I think, uh, what we know from scripture is sin has so corrupted all of this world and not just our own humanity, but like it's corrupted our brains. And I think in uh, prior to the fall, we wouldn't have to deal with trauma because we wouldn't have sin and we wouldn't have a lot of like mental health things because we would literally have perfect brains. And, and so whether it's a chemical imbalance or the effects of sin from other people on you, like, counseling i think is a product needed because we live in a sinful humanity but um but i mean i i, I think what one one thing i know we try to do at epicos and i've said this on stage before in a sermon i said jesus plus therapy is okay like if you you can have jesus but you can also have therapy it doesn't mean you're a worse christian or a bad christian it means that you are very self-aware of the fallenness of your sin and in the same way how we need to be in tune with the scriptures to grow in our faith, we need to uh, guard our heart and guard our mind from sin. Perhaps we need to have wise men and women speak into our lives because our own brains sometimes will deceive us and betray us. And so I guess, Caleb, w- one last question is there's there's still stigma amongst Christians and therapy what would you say to a person? I think to, uh, Tony Stark is an example of this. He probably would never go to a counselor. And that's why the only counselor he does go to is the Hulk who has anger issues, right? <laughs> so like, what would you say to a Christian who like feels like therapy is not for them? They shouldn't go to therapy. Well, w- what I would say is, first of all, the Hulk was a good therapist for for, for Tony Stark. And, and here's why. There was a stat that I read the other day that over 50% of all change that happens in therapy is directly related to the therapeutic relationship and not the model that the, that the therapist uses. doesn't have anything to do with what they teach, what they say, what they do. It is purely the therapeutic relationship. And so how, like, think about how beautiful a concept that is, that of course that would be the, the mode for change when that's what God has called us to is relationship with other people. And so you know, like it's, it's bonkers. Who knew? It's like he knew what he was doing. The reason why I do think that Tony Stark finding Dr. Dr. Banner for that was good is because even though Dr. Banner 
<laughs> like is not a psychiatrist or not a counselor or any of these kind of things. Wrong, wrong PhD. Uh, Dr. Banner gave him his time, even if he couldn't stay awake. <laughs> I mean, obviously he had enough time to tell him a three hour, or two hour movie. Uh, but I think, so when it comes to that stigma piece, I think what happens so often is we, we don't actually understand what therapy is, you know, and, and, and rightly so there's so many bad portrayals of what therapy used to be like a hundred years ago, where you go in, you lay down on a couch and someone sits behind you where you can't see them. And we just have random musings that, that are set to Eastern mystic whatever. <laughs> and, and that's just not therapy anymore. What I, what I tell my students right now is like, like this time that I'm spending with you right now, this is, this is your time. What we do in here, what we talk about in here, it's what you want to talk about. And I am here, I'm here giving you my attention. Like how incredible is it to have somebody that gives you their full on attention, no cell phones, no distractions, no anything else that we are just with people. Like that's what, that's what a counselor offers to any Christian that's looking to uh, seek help or, or just, or just feels like they, they need a little bit of guidance, direction, or just that other piece in their life is we are offering a place for them to have someone give undivided attention. They're giving them that love, giving them their time. And then we also have the psychoeducation to help things more clear. I mean, literally, I can't tell you how many times in, in therapy that like, I'll just give like a one liner. So like my, uh, I think the one that I say all the time is anger is unmet expectations. I talk about that like all the time. I just throw out these little random one liners and, and seeing what sticks and people will be like, Ooh, Ooh, now that's good. <laughs> you know, like they'll, they'll be, it, it lands home and I'm not telling them to do anything with that. And so, you know, I think part of that stigma may be that they're going to show up and someone's going to speak into all the fears that they have about themselves already is that they're going to, they're going to sit down and then the counselor is going to say, yep, you're messed up. <laughs> Here's all the diagnoses you have and there's no hope. And in reality, what we're here to do is it's, it's your life. You're the expert of your life. So how can, how can we make one small change? How can we do one thing different? You know, like I, I believe the quote of, if you always do what you always did, you always get what you always got. So how can we make one little change to be a little bit different. And so I'm not like, as a counselor, we're not bringing in this Eastern mystic mumbo jumbo. We're literally just coming in to say, Hey, you don't like your outcome right now. So this is a, this is a James clear thing from atomic habits. You don't like your outcome. So as a therapist, I'm like, okay, well, how can you change your process? How can we change your identity? And when a Christian walks in, I'm like, Ooh, your identity is a child of God. Like, so how can we, how can we operate based off of that identity? How can we change your process based off that identity to get whatever outcome you want? Dude, I, so I love that. And like, when you're talking about community, when you're talking about community, like that's so fundamental to the Christian faith. It's not a, Christianity was never a solo man sport. We've actually talked about this in the podcast before about how much community is important. And I love yeah. what you said just about counselors just being present and helping you work through it. It's like, that's so true. That's my, that's been my experience in the past. And I've got to say this. This goes against what I think we said earlier in the podcast that the narration and Dr. Banner was actually the right move. We said in the movie it was a terrible move in the movie. They shouldn't have done it. The narration was bad. Uh, we actually made the comment that other than what if, there's no other narration and there's a reason for it. And so now you're making me have to rethink that whole point of like, well, shoot, maybe that was brilliant well, by the writers because they knew something I didn't. 
I'll offer this. What happens in the next Avengers movie? The next time you see Hulk, the next time you see Tony together, they are like... Age of Ultrons? You're talking about, like, you're talking about that one? Even so much so that they create they create Ultron. Yeah. yeah. So obviously that whole experience for... Now this is all just you know plot devices and people writing it. But obviously that counseling experience, it did something for Tony. And it helped Tony yeah. process through all that. So did it not? Was it not effective? And this goes yeah. back to my original. So I have this long-standing thing in this. I I'm not convinced Tony has changed yet. And so this just furthers my idea that he may be starting to. And shoot, therapy with the Hulk, the angry green <laughs> monster, may have been the best thing that ever happened for a guy struggling with anxiety and PTSD. I don't know. Like, <laughs> dude, you got me rethinking. Oh, now you got my brain going. This is fun. Like, let's go. Uh, I love it. I love it. Yeah, dude. I. Yeah, this has been great. I just, I just thank you for your time. Um, it's good. What you got, Frank? I was just saying, Caleb, thank you so much for your time. Uh, I, this was really helpful. Um, we might have to consider bringing you back when we get to WandaVision because there's a whole lot of uh, uh, licensed therapist stuff that we need to unravel in that whole situation. So thank you, thank you for coming out, Caleb. Yeah, so thank you, thank you so much. I definitely, I've, I've enjoyed the mess out of this. I hope that, uh, you know, anytime I, I would talk, I would talk, you know, your ears off about anything completely unrelated to counseling. But you know, when we can bring my career into it, <laughs> I'm definitely game for that. And Jesus yeah, too, like, like that's my favorite thing. Yeah, no, I appreciate it. Thanks so much for your time, your energy. Um, yeah, I we'll probably we'll have to we don't have to bring this back. I'm sure when we get to Black Widow and others, we're gonna have it. So. Dude, thank yeah, you for your time well, that was, and all that. That was the thing I was going to mention earlier is like, it seems like anyone that needed therapy, they've gotten their own TV show. So, you know, like that's the direction we're headed in right now. <laughs> oh yeah. W- WandaVision's a thing. Like, let's be real. But <laughs> yeah. Oh, I use that quote all the time of what is love, if not grief, but what is grief, if not love, but perseverance. Oh dude. Like, I use that all so, the time. so good. But yeah, no, Hey, I appreciate your time, your energy. Thanks for being with us. Hey, uh, thank you for joining us and, and thank you for, for chatting with us and listening to Caleb talk about counseling and PTSD and all the things that he mentioned when it comes to Iron Man 3 and our mental health. We will be back next week with hopefully the last bad movie of MCU. So I think, that, I think that's true. I mean, people hate on um, Captain Marvel, but like I actually don't think it's that bad. Um, yeah. We'll be back with Thor The Dark World, which we will also struggle to find a lot of meaningful content because it's just a big LARPing movie at the end of the day. So anyways, <laughs> uh, follow us on Instagram and give us a review on Apple Podcasts and share this podcast with a friend. It'll, it'll help us a lot. And uh, we hope to see you next week. And as you watch these movies, remember to not miss The Marvelous Gospel. We'll see you next week. Bye. See ya.